0: for 20% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Andrew and Paul are here tonight. To get you a quick little intro rundown for this week's episode. Paul, how are you doing, man?
1: Well, I'm
2: doing all right, man. I, I'm, I'm back in Ohio. It's been it's a long, dang, man, almost two full weeks. Uh in Florida my voice is still a little scratchy. I don't I don't know what I picked up something down there. So getting better, but no man, I saw four Osceolas hit the dirt last week, last couple of days, so that's good.
0: Good week. Good way to start the turkey season. Yeah, man. You guys are on it. You got yours. We I think we talked about that, but the uh no. Man, you just you're out there with other people from down there and around the country, right? Or
2: Yeah, so I, I the first day of, and I'm using this term very loosely, guiding. Um, I was with Mike Pentecost from Woodhaven, uh, his son Isaac, uh, Mike's friend Philip and, uh, and Dylan who did, Philip and Dylan did, did some video work. Dylan got to shoot a turkey. Isaac got to shoot, to shoot a turkey. So, uh, you know, Mike and I, we, we talk quite a bit and he's just like, man, I, that guy's killed a ton of turkeys. He, he wants to get his son, you know, and, 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 Get him a t- you know a nice royal slam this year, and it was cool, man. It was really neat to 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 see them. What is, uh, what and, is a royal slam? So royal slam is is so the four main subspecies. So the Osceola, the Eastern, the Miriams, the Rio Grande. And then the fifth subspecies that we have in the U.S., uh, just in small spots, but mostly in Mexico, is the Gould's turkey. So that's a Royal Slam.
0: What's a Grand Slam?
2: Like, is it Grand Slam
0: is just the first four four.
2: Osceola Easterns, Rios, and Marriams. And then you have the Gould's, and that gets you your Royal Slam. That's what that's considered. So Isaac's chasing that this year. And it was really neat. I helped, I I was the facilitator i guess for the osceola uh portion of that so it's actually a double royal slam so he's going to kill two of all of those turkeys that's his that's his plan so but it was really neat man being being in the woods with those guys and and being around like a guy like mike pentecost who was a world champion caller i mean he's one of the best in the in the entire country at, at friction calling which is what i do most of the time it was amazing it was absolutely i learned I learned more in five hours with Mike Pentecost than I have in fifteen years in the turkey woods. Did you master that, did you master that yeah. diaphragm call yet? No, he didn't even mess with those things. So no. I like and I, I I I have no interest in putting using a mouth like so. <laughs> uh, But Yeah, it was Josh really it was Kearns really cool. And then, and then my, my friend Duke came down from New York and, and we were uh and I, it was just Duke and I on that hunt. And uh, that was a really neat hunt. Same same farm in Florida. Uh, we had scouted a couple of days before. Found some turkeys in the area. We had two two toms gobbling hard on limb, hit the ground. They had three hens with them, which is normally like that's that's really hard to combat. And they kept working across this field, like like just walking through. And the day before, uh, with Mikey, we'd had some hen pressure, and the way that he called. On this little cluck clucking purpot that Woodhaven makes, uh, and just the the way that he called and how he called, and how often, how aggressive, I latched onto that. I'm like, that's amazing, and I I just replicated that and do those turkeys. It took about 20 minutes to pull off those hens, but they were just like, wow, we can't do it, we can't, we have to go see what's going on over here. And so these two these two big old toms, I posted uh, some videos to TikTok and Instagram and Go Wild of this turkey gobbling. After we had shot his friend, uh, and and it's like sixty five degrees, but it was the dew point was crazy. The, the 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 fog was intense, and this turkey gobbles, and you can see like the breath coming. It looks like a fire breathing dragon. It was really neat. So, uh, yeah, I got that done for Duke. That was really cool, man. What a
0: week. That was neat. I saw that video pop up. That was pretty sweet. So, yeah, it was it was wild. Well, so, good, man, yeah, check check that out. Congrats on a successful trip, and uh... thank you, man. Yeah, I'm proud of you, Paul. Proud of you. What a way. Kick up the season the right way, as I say. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to report from the great of outdoors. I'm trying to think. I probably did something. I'm still getting ready for this trip, which kind of, uh, we'll get into that in a second. But let's go through real quick. And thank you to our partners, Half-Rack, half-rack.com. Paul, we just got our hands on some hunter hangers. Uh, so these are the one of the new products they launched. Kind of cool. You just screw it into the wall and it can hang all kinds of stuff. So up to fifty pounds, gear, bows, bags, all sorts of stuff. It's pretty neat. Yeah, not super like we were discussing a little bit ago. There's there's a lot of things out there you can hang stuff from hooks and different things, but they're not tacky looking. It's not a nail. Like it actually looks. No, pretty, it's well done. So uh, they sell it, it is. In yeah, I like it. Pack of two or pack of ten, bunch of different colors uh check out those guys we have a code for them paul uh oh i should have had that ready if you go on their site and buy from them our code is ohio outdoors 15 so let's get you 15 percent off not a bad deal that's a pretty good deal man 15 percent off
2: there you go hunter hanger they got the meat lug coming out here in a few weeks what mid-june something like that, that yeah that thing's
0: pretty yeah. What's that? Super stoked for that one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Boonsling. That's my favorite thing that they sell. Uh, that that gunsling is, is is pretty neat. So thanks to Ghost Guys, half dash rack.com. You can find them on Go Wild, find them on Instagram. So uh, thanks to our friends at Go Wild. We're going talk about it. They got a ton of stuff for turkey season. Check them out. Time to go wild.com. Download go wild.com. You can find the app on Apple or Android, find us on there. O2 podcast, Paul Campbell, Uh, man, they got some really neat stuff for the Turkey Hunter uh, this spring. Some really cool articles too. how to's gear setups, really good information. You got the really cool community sign up, you get
0: $10 off your first order. And there still is time, I believe to enter. If you join, go wild, you entered into the UTV giveaway, which is a sick, like $40,000 get up. Uh, if you're, so you can send your code to people or your link to people. And I think that also enters you if they join, whatever, totally worth uh sign on there. Um, let's see, we've got Midwest Gunworks. Uh, so thanks to Cameron and the folks out there for being a supporter of our show. They are your one-stop shop there for all kinds of gun stuff, ammo, parts, pieces, uh, accessories, guns. And they the customer service is outstanding. Sweet operation out there. They got it going on. They've been selling stuff online since before that was cool. And uh, they got a really nice website to uh, get you headed down the right way. So check them Ohio out.
2: Outdoors 5. Save yourself 5% on your purchase. Yep. What else we got?
0: First light. We saw your first light gear when you were out there killing those turkeys. So baby. Yeah. I'll tell you what that, man. I, I said last week that wick.
2: Short sleeve wick hoodie with the f- leafy phantom suit in that hot weather during during turkey season, man, that that is a lifesaver. It really it really is. Yeah, though, so, and early turkey season. I mean, there were days, dude, it was ninety degrees when I was hunting. Yep. Hot, 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 muggy Florida weather, man. That thing, the thing, really, really did save the day. So hot, 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 hot. I don't
0: know. At some, was that? I don't know. Uh, oh, I didn't. It was in yeah, Celebrity Jeopardy, I think. If it's oh, not cold, me. it's hot, hot, hot. I don't know. And you remember that skit on Saturday <laughs> Live? I do not. Uh, no, I'll have, to, I'll have to YouTube it. Next road trip, no, buddy. No, next road trip. We come see yeah, We go see good. Glenn. We're going to watch it on the way up there. Yeah. All right. So, last partner that we got here is X Vision, right? And so, this is what our, our talk today is going to be about. And. Try to put this in a nutshell because I do recap some of it during the show. It was uh, me and uh, Paul was out slaying turkeys, so I was the interviewer, um, and we talked to I got you guys. When I read your last the last name, it's going to be like you see why it's taking me a second to find this. I want to try Sawyer. To, that's his first name. Yeah, we will get that out of the way. Sawyer, Sawyer from vision Sawyer from Xvision. Last name. We'll let let him pronounce it. Don't even try to (laughs) to do it. That's how we started the show, so I should just let that go. Um, There you go. Sawyer from X-Vision. Great guy. But here's the deal. So X-Vision is in the thermal optics business. They also do some night vision stuff. But as he'll talk, that night vision kind of world, I think it's IR, is considered the same thing as as night vision. That's tapped out, right? So the future is in the thermals. It's picking up heat and being able to see you know, things in the dark, that kind of stuff. He gives you all the specs. He goes through the, the visible spectrum and all that kind of stuff. So if you're really ready to geek out on that, here you go for my P brain. This is a new piece of equipment on top of a gun that, uh, you know, trying to get it sighted in and, and mess with the technology in there. They've got a pretty simple platform. Like it's not hard to to figure out. The product is, is very user-friendly. I posted my one shot with, uh, at the groundhog that was awesome and get, I mean, you can record it to your phone, all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's not a standard optic. It's not a piece of glass. It is literally a computer screen that is doing all this. And it's, uh, it's sweet, man. It's really, it is. It is sweet. It looks real wild. And the the technology of thermals, like he'll talk about it, but the potential there, I mean, it's, it's going to continue to grow. Um, you know, when we were messing around with it up there in Michigan, Paul, it was like walk across the the hardwood floor, and you could see the prints of your feet, like the heat yeah. just still left on the ground. It's just insane. It's insane. Um, so it's very cool. Uh, let yeah. me get you, let's get the uh, website pulled up here, XvisionOptics.com. Yeah, so if, you're, if you're hunting coyotes or or pigs,
2: groundhogs, coons, something, I mean that that thing's that thing's going to be a, a a really good addition to your rifle setup.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they've got other things, just sights, you know, binoculars, monoculars, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we didn't, I don't think we really covered it. I want to get the guy on someday, but the drone deer guy, uh, recovery who's out of Ohio. Um, you know, he uses the thermal on his drone to find the heat from the deer. You know, it, it's just really cool technology. It's kind of that next, next greatest thing, uh, that we, well, we've been introduced to. So, if this isn't your thing, as far as night hunting coyotes, hogs, any of that kind of stuff, I'd still sell you to give it a listen because it's an interesting science. And I have no idea where it'll go down the road, but, uh, definitely something that's very, very interesting. So. And to your point, they do they, the X vision. They do. They have, they have a bunch of range finding
2: binoculars and range finders and regular binoculars. They got, they got quite a selection of products. So yeah. they got some cool
0: stuff. Very cool. So check them out. Xvisionoptics.com. optics.com. Uh, like I said, we got the show here with Sawyer. Um, this is part of, a part of this show is, is, well, I'll hopefully be able to report back to you next week. I'm going to take a little trip down, t- down south to visit our friend, John Hudspeth from the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. Um, Nick, I think Nick Otto's coming down, uh, the Hunt of so. We're going to do some, some hog hunting down there. I think I might swing by in, in Missouri. No, I know I'm swinging by in Missouri to hang out with Andy and Micah and go see if we can. Round up some coyotes out there. And uh, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we have come back with some good stories and hopefully some good videos to show of, of what these optics actually can do. So pretty exciting. Yeah, man. Good
2: luck with that. That's going to be a ton of fun. I wish I was going.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I'm excited. We'll put it that way. So I got a lot to do before I go, but such is life. Right. So anyway, yes, it is. Uh, oh, do we get we got any news around the state, Paul? look at me just all yeah
2: there's a couple things that we had talked about but I don't think there's anything
0: okay we'll go real quick read your read your rulebook right <laughs> <laughs> Oh buddy uh, future foresters camp canopy registration is open so ODNR uh, division of forestry is looking for new future foresters biologists and conservation leaders for tomorrow so if you've completed the eighth grade you're eligible for this this is kids. Uh, students getting into any of those type of, uh, you know, career paths and they want to take some time. Uh, it'll be June 11th to 16th. It is at FFA camp Muskingum on Leesville Lake in Carroll County. It's um, pretty country out there, man. Oh yeah. So it sounds like it'd be a good, I, you know, a good place to, if you're interested in that, you got kids interested in that, get them down there, see what they can uh, get into and uh, build that, that desire to enter, you know, the, uh, outdoors careers. So the other thing I had, Paul volunteers needed for the Ohio sandhill crane survey. So a volunteer driven sandhill crane survey to locate breeding birds in Ohio, uh, will be Saturday, April 15th. If you go to ODNR's website, you can find more about this. Um, they're coordinate coordinating this project as part of the Midwest crane count with the international crane foundation and the Ohio bird conservation initiative. Um, so the, this year the counts will occur in these counties, I'm going to read them off. There's a lot. So you probably aren't too far away, um, from any given one, but Ashland, Columbiana, Delaware, Erie, Franklin, Fulton, Geauga, Hardin, Holmes, Knox, Lake, Licking, Logan, Lorraine, Lucas, Mahoney, Marion, Morrow, Ottawa, Pickaway, Portage, Richland, Sandusky, Stark, Summit, Trumbull, Wayne, Williams, and Wyandotte. If you would like to go out and count sandhill cranes, you can do that in one of those counties. Um, so go to check out ODNR's uh, website, OhioDNR.gov, and there is more information there. Counting the birds, Paul.
2: I saw a bunch, bunch of cranes down in Florida. Yeah. Breeding. I saw little baby cranes running around. It's kind of cool. You know, the other thing that, that was really weird, and, and we're, we're going to get off track here just a little bit. Uh when I was down there I saw a fawn with spots in Florida like a brand new baby deer just hanging out in the, the second week of March Like how crazy is that I guess that's just their their time to to breed down there
0: I'm trying to think I, don't know. I feel Look at like- this. I'm
2: going to send you I'm going to send you a picture right now we're making
0: great radio here but <laughs> I feel- um. I feel like I've yeah, heard so, this, but they their season is open like nine months of the year. Ten. Months.
2: Their fall turkey season starts the last like July twenty eighth. Isn't that
0: crazy? Yeah, they got different. It's just different, I guess. Everything. So, yeah. we're. I, I saw bucks in velvet down there. That sure is a doe with spots.
2: It's a fawn with, spot. fawn with yeah. spots. Yeah. How crazy is that? Who knew? And I'm sure you know the guys down the floor are just like yeah. So what about it? Gator bait, gator bait. It's gator a whole bunch bait. of those suckers. Ugh.
0: Yeah, you can keep oh. that. Anywho, we will get to our show here with uh, Sawyer from Vision. ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you. We appreciate everything, reviews, uh, you know, comments, interactions with us. Keep it up. Oh yeah, keep it up. Yeah, we really uh, appreciate you guys, especially as we get into turkey and and the walleye start running and different things. Share pictures with us, and we'll uh, we'll pump them out there. So we appreciate you.
2: Yeah, good stuff. Have a great week, everybody.
1: Books.
0: so today on the line I've got Sawyer and Sawyer's from Xvision Sawyer I am not going to try to butcher your last name uh do you want to <laughs> give that to everybody uh and tell us about yourself?
1: yourselfs beat, beat along what so, is what
0: is the background of that last name where's it come from
1: I I mean we've been in America a long time and I don't think you get 16 letters in your last name unless you're some kind of mutt so <laughs> I would assume it is a combination of a lot of different heritages and a lot of people just putting letters together at some point and creating what is my last name now. So
0: that's great. No, I was talking to, with Glenn and I was like, "All right, I, I I have no idea," and he rattled it off, and I'm just like, oh, "Yep, okay, we'll say."
1: That. It's it's fairly <laughs> phonetic. It just again, you look at it, it's fairly intimidating. So. Awesome. I get it. And I've heard it pronounced a thousand different ways, so I wouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah. So,
0: Well, Sawyer, so what's your position over at X-Vision?
1: So I am the national sales manager. So dealing primarily with the reps, the big box accounts, um, and then buy groups and all the dealers and stuff like that as well. But obviously here I am on a marketing side of it. So we are fairly flexible here at mm-hmm. X-Vision Optics. There
0: you go. And X-Vision, you guys been around for a while, or is this new, you new to the game or how's, tell me about the company.
1: Yep. So we're a little over eight years old in total. Um, I've been with the company going on close to five years now. So we had a, we had an ownership change just shy of three years ago. Um, So I was working with a couple other lines at the time as the national sales manager there. And then Chris and Rich, um, our owners now bought out the remaining percentage of the company back in 20, uh, yeah, end of 2019, they bought the first chunk and then the end of 2020, they bought the second chunk. So, and then I came with it. So, but <clears throat> yeah, I, did that answer your yeah. question? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah. did you guys start in the thermal thermal world or...
1: No, So digital IR was pretty much our bread and butter um, for the first handful of years. Um, so infrared binoculars, stuff like that. Um, the digital side makes it a, a lot more cost effective, a little more um, clear and some more options in terms of picture record and stuff like that. So that, that did very well with us. Um, as we grew with that, we added some more traditional optics to our lineup um, within, you know, for a couple years with range finders, red dots, um, stuff like that. Um, and we started getting into the thermals. So 20, at the end of 2021 was our, yeah, it was our launch into thermals and we launched with a thermal reflex, a thermal scope and a thermal monocular. Um, and then have, yeah, just grown and added from there. But yeah, thermal and infrared technology is is where we'll stay, and definitely our bread and butter.
0: And so, this is for me and Paul, and Paul's not able to join us today. He's still off in his turkey rendezvous. Um, <laughs> we were kind of introduced to this last year up at Deer Camp. And uh, I, I guess I've heard the idea, uh, never really thought much about it, considered it, anything like that. I've listened and talked to the guys out at the Missouri woods and water podcast. They do a lot of coyote hunting. They're big, uh, on the thermal stuff, but it's after having time to play around with the scope and, and, and whatnot, it's, it's very different and it's not your standard optic. It's not, um, you know, like anything I've ever really used before. It's almost like a video game. And I, I, I jokingly have told people it's like that brothers uh, you know, line in the movie where they're like, what'd well, be better if you had this when you're 16, it's better when yeah. you have it when you're 40, you know, but it's like night vision. And, and, and when we were up in Michigan, we had that bear that just kept circling the cabin. it was like, well, we could see him. There's Terry. He's walking yeah. back and forth and, and it's all this stuff that, you know, it, it's a video game like almost, and, and it's just not something that, you know, I ever thought I would have the ability to, to utilize, um. So I don't know, man, it's what uh, we're going to talk about this scope, um, that we're going to take down to hunt hogs here in a, in a week or so, I guess, um,
1: well, less than a week. Eh?
0: You know, less than a week. So I don't know what's the, what's the science behind this because it isn't your traditional optic. It's not a piece of glass with, you know, a couple of dials go up and down and left and right and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts there, right? Um, you know, just to touch base on your first notes with feeling like a kid again. it It is, you know, you it, unless you've played with thermals before, right, you look at the price tags and you go, this is crazy, doesn't make any sense. The second you start using one or try one out, it it is, it is kind of a mind-blowing, you know, I did not think this was possible. Or, you know, yeah, you're back in the Predator versus Alien movies and stuff like that, right, except you can actually kill pigs, coyotes, and what not with it. Um, and there's a lot more applications too with tracking, scouting, scanning. I mean, even we have a lot of, you know, farm and home guys um, for cattle, livestock, um, you know, electric fences, checking fence lines and stuff like that. I mean, you can see studs and exterior walls. I mean, for the first, like when we got our first prototypes in, I just watched my dogs run around the carpet in my house. And you can see those details in their paw pad, you know, the prints that they leave behind for minutes and minutes. It's, it is, it is pretty cool. But the, the science behind it, I guess the, the best, and I don't want to say the easiest way to kind of understand where it's at is, you know, if you, if you take our light spectrum, right. And I'll kind of touch base on the IR side and don't quote me on these exact numbers. Cause I'm a sales guy. Right. So, But like our visual light spectrum, and it's going to be measured in nanometers, um, which is just your wavelengths, right? But our visual light spectrum is going to happen, you know, somewhere between like 100 nanometers and say 250 nanometers, right? And that's where we'll have the different um, colors come into play, right? And then pretty much at 250 nanometers is where that, that red is taking over. So like some of our thermal products have, you know, quick target acquisition lasers or lasers built in as an actual laser pointer Um, but like those are going to be running like 650 nanometers right so you're you're taking over in that light side of the spectrum and you're getting farther down that spectrum and then like ir so a lot of a lot of like our competitors ir on the digital side so you're outputting a an ir light you're outputting a light it's on that light spectrum it's just past our visual like mammals cannot pick it up, and it does nothing for us, essentially, right? So as we get farther away from our visual light spectrum of that 100 to 250, you have, you know, actual lasers around 600, give or take, right? And then IR, most people run like 850 nanometer lights on them. And that's, you can see a small red hue coming out, because that 900 nanometers is where we can't see anything. No red, no, no nothing, no light, whatever, right? And that's pretty pretty consistent for mammals across the board. Um, like our scope, our IR scope will run 940 nanometers. So you get a little bit clearer of an image. I should say a lot clearer of an image, but also it's it's completely invisible. And that's like you take, even you took like a digital IR binocular, took a strong IR light and, you know, scanned it across a field in pitch black. It's it's gonna look just like a big mag light scanning across the field. It's just, it's invisible, right? So there's you know, your IR cutter, your screens, your noise reduction filters, stuff like that on the digital or the technology side that helps pretty much take the illuminated image that we can't see because it's past our visual light spectrum and spit it onto a TV screen so we can see it. And that's, that's in the digital IR side. And then as you grow, right, you're going through different wavelengths. But the next one, like thermal, and again, don't quote me on these numbers, but you're going to live at like you know, 18,000, 20,000 nanometers, right? So you're, you know, visual light, very small window for us to be able to see red, green, blue, yellow, right? All those fun things. Actual red laser pointers, you know, 600, IR, 900, infrared. Um, and then thermals, you know, 15 plus thousand out, right? So it, it doesn't make sense necessarily connecting it all on one la- wavelength, but it's there. Um, but thermal is going to be more of an image sensing, right? And you can get into the weeds with, um, you know, cooled cores. Um, the The biggest the biggest things in my mind that, that help you get a lot of clarity, help you um, utilize your thermal products that we, we make sure we put in there, right? Like your pixel size is going to give you more clarity. So like 12 micron pixel sizes or micrometer pixel sizes, smaller pixels, Pixels, better detail on that tv screen essentially um there is some you know cost savings where we can hit better price points by marrying and you got to just slow me down when you need to slow me down or skip to the next subject because i could i could talk about this for the next five hours of our lives but um but that i mean what we focus on are those kind of smaller detailed specs um the natd spec which is for English, right, is just your temperature variation detection range or abilities. So like our thermals that TS 200 in your hands, that's gonna be able to see like less than or equal to, I think it's 30 NETD, which translates to 0.05 degrees Fahrenheit. So one twentieth of one degree Fahrenheit is the temperature variation it can detect. So that's where you can go outside and you can look at a tree and you can see the branches, you can see the leaves, you can see the veins in the leaves, you can see, you know, you put your hand against the wall, you can see your your veins in your hand and stuff like that in the print. So it, it gives you a lot better clarity, um, but it gives you more time in those situations, tracking, scanning, stuff like that. It's going to be a lot more sensitive, but again, it's, you know, you're thinking of like a black and white type where it needs to be really sensitive to give you that good clarity where in you know, normal, non-digital, real life, we get that clarity because, in you know, in a weird way, our eyes have really small pixel sizes we can pick up, right? But we have the color, we have the contrast, we have the shadings, so you kind of have to work a little, work a little harder on the thermal side or IR side to get that better clarity, um, which comes into play with the pixel size specs. Um, you know, your your NETD spec or your temperature variation detection spec. Um, and then you got hertz, right, your your frame rates, right? So on digital, you kind of got to worry about, you know, if you're looking at a traditional IR or something like that where it's amplifying surrounding light, not outputting light and putting it on a TV screen, right? So having a higher hertz or refresh rate, right, you're eliminating all that lag that you would get from, you know, a digital product, so to say. And it's gotten a lot better over the years. It's just those are – those are those things that we can we can hone in on with our products, make them more cost effective for the consumers, um, but still deliver a very good, clear quality product.
0: Very good. <laughs> I, th- I think I got all that. So, um, and just you know, for if you never used one, uh, and realistically, I mean, we screwed around with the. I guess that was just kind of the reflex site. Um, yeah, that little compact one. Yeah. That's what we had up there in Michigan. But when I started screwing around with this one, this thing is so much smarter than I am. It's incredible. That doesn't say a lot, but it's, it's, you you know, you're literally looking through this scope. I'm gonna turn mine on here real quick, but there's like a computer screen, a little TV screen on the inside. So if you've never used one, um, this little screen pops up and then, you know, you get your crosshairs and everything and, and right away it'll start picking up heat on different stuff. Uh, and, you know, the picture shows up and, and voila, you're ready to to see what you're you know going after. Um, part of this, the learning curve, I think, well, besides the fact that it's really, really smart and can do a lot of things, um, you know, it's not just like turn left, turn right to be up and down and you even when i was going to shoot it for the first few times i had to figure out a way to get a target that was hot right or warm enough that i could see it yeah. and, and stand out so i hung little um you know hand warmers up there on my my board uh just trying to get myself something to shoot at which worked it was fine um yeah is and but is there other ways when it comes to sighting thermals in cuz i i see somewhere you can buy like actual thermal sight or um targets
1: yeah, yeah, and we'll, like, I mean, a lot of our products will come with, like, little, I don't have any on my desk, but they're they're essentially foot warmers, right? But they're just a solid circle. Um, I mean, I, I use foot warmers quite a bit just because they already have the sticky side. You put it on a piece of cardboard and you're good. Um, but, I, I mean, I've cited these in with, you can have a nail, right? You just put a nail in the center of cardboard, take a lighter, a torch, heat it up. It's going to show hot and your point of center for, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes. Um, I mean, I've cited in our reflexes before by just licking my thumb, putting it on the center of a normal target, stepping back, taking my time and being able to do it that way. But there are there are thermal targets you can buy. Um, They're expensive. Usually they're a one and done type of target. Um, I, you know, I would never I wouldn't recommend them. I mean, they work great. It's just it's a lot of money for a one and done target when a foot warmer is going to do the same thing, when a nail will do the same thing. And like tinfoil works well as as well. So just that tiny heat differentiation with the tinfoil compared to the cardboard it's on. Um, So I've, I mean, I've used um, like insulation tape, essentially, that's tinfoily, but sticky on one side and just made an X. Um, So there are, there are a million ways to, to kind of skin that cat, but just always remembering that you need, some kind of heat differentiation to be able to have as a you know a point of center reference point with thermals is is definitely critical to citing them in.
0: And I'm going to go through some of the questions that I've had along the way, and I'm, I've been bothering you with. I can shoot this during the day, right? Assuming I yep. have that heat source, you know, it's not going to damage it or anything like that.
1: Yep. So, I mean, you know, before there was concern with longevity of those thermal cores, um, and you know durability of those thermal cores or thermal sensors, um, and really that is the most expensive part of the you know the product you got right now, right? Like any thermal, the cost driver is going to be the quality of that thermal sensor in it. Um, but now the thermal cores we have, there is there is no differentiation between night and day, right? And a lot of that was solved by getting those those smaller temperature variation detection ranges, right? So the more, the more, the bigger range I can, I can sense on that heat differentiation, the better detail clarity I'm going to have where at night, you know, not everything was getting heated up by the sun, so to say, right? Where during the day, everything's heated up by the sun. So you, you know, years ago, right, you'd have some more blurriness, some more um, overflow of, you know, objects running into other objects where, now it it is it's not a concern it's not an issue at all which is great and in terms of thermal core longevity i mean these thermal sensors will outlast your i mean it it will last 10 years longer than you ever wanted to because it's going to be 20 years old and there's going to be way cooler stuff out at that time anyways um so it's it's definitely come a long way um it's still i mean that's the awesome part about thermal where we still have a long ways to go and it's exciting, right? Coming out with new products A reflex, you know, is a good example where we launched that last year, I mean, to think that something that small, compact, lightweight, and versatile could have a detection range of 1500 yards. I mean, it wasn't possible five years ago. Right. So there are, there are definitely some, some more cool, exciting stuff. And we got a couple fun things for you guys in the hopper next year, but, um, that is the cool part about thermal. Like it's, it's still very much so growing. We're still discovering a lot of things we can do with the technology. Um, where with IR, we're fairly limited out right now. Um, you know, we'll get to see farther, but it, it's 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 a different world, and you, you can only shine a light so far, right? Even if it is invisible.
0: Right. Well, let's talk about some of the uh, more basic. Uh, functions of this because that's where my brain is. Um, yeah. The first thing I noticed, cause you know, I just start screwing around twisting knobs and different things is that I've got like, hang on um, all these different color choices to choose from green, hot, from palettes. white, hot is that what we're calling palettes? blue, yeah. hot, iron, adjustable, red, hot. So what's the difference on those? Is that just a preference on your eye or it-
1: I I would say it's almost entirely a preference. You can have like depending on your environment you're in, right? You can tailor that to a specific environment where red hot might work better. But it, it also ties into your reticle style and reticle colors, right? If I if I really if I, I mean with my eyes and I can see colors, but some people might not be able to see red, right? Where they need to have green. Um, well, then I wouldn't use the green the green palette setting, right? And you might want to do a red hot setting where the background is red. So you can clearly or better see that reticle and that contrast between, you know, essentially the the op- optical um, image and that crosshair. Um, so it just, it, it helps tailor that product or the product to the, the customer, you know, across the board with different eye capabilities, different preferences, stuff like that. Um, and you can tailor it to the environment. It just the the level at which these scopes can see now, and the clarity that you get, the tailoring your palette to your environment doesn't affect it very much at all, anyways. Um, so I've never, I mean, I I like white hot, right? And I like a green crosshair, and it's it's a good contrast for me. It looks very clear. Um, I think it is a clear palette um, of all the palette options, but it is just pretty much my preference at this point. So, you know, with all my thermals at home, all of our products, they are pretty much all set to white hot with a green reticle.
0: And that's another thing: we can change the color of the reticle, right? How many colors? Is yep, it? eight, six
1: reticle colors, reticle styles. So
0: you got ten I reticle. I want to say this styles. one will have, what's that? This has ten reticle styles, I think.
1: Yep, ten reticle styles, and they should have six reticle colors for those ten different styles.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think, um, it has the ability to zoom, right? So uh, yep. obviously, once you're focused, you got your knobs for focusing, but then you can zoom in and out, and that's really easy. I mean, it does a really nice job, keeps it clear, and anything like that. Yeah,
1: and that's, I mean, again, you know, comparing where thermals were even three years ago, and I mean, I, you know, some of our competitors, but that's the hard part with magnifying, especially on on higher powered thermals, right? Where you're going to pretty much have your base optical magnification and then everything past that is going to be a digital compound ma- magnification, right? So in reality, you're, you're just magnifying, you know, you're taking a magnifier to a little TV screen, right? So that's where it's really important to have those small pixels and those better details in the scope where you can zoom in all the way and still get a clear image um, where before, you know, you'd have something that's you can go to 15 times magnification, but it has a really low thermal sensor, thermal core resolution, and hot large pixels, right? So by the time you got to six times magnification, it looked really pixelated, really blurry. By the time you got to 15 times magnification, you, you have no idea what you're looking at, right? Um, so I'm glad you say that. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, you know, those, those are where those smaller details come, come to play in as well, more so just because... Um, of that magnifying factor of digital magnification over optical magnification. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the zoom, especially with these scopes, like these scopes were a little bit more of a challenge for us just because we, like we have a very, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but we have a very keep it simple, stupid process in terms of operating a product, right? So you look at any of our products with the reflexes, with the scopes, um, even our night vision products, right, they they are very user-friendly. Nobody reads a manual out of the box, regardless if they spend $6,000 on a scope or not, right? So being able to pull these out of the box, figure it out yourself, right? And you can, you know, these, like these scopes, you got picture record, internal memory, range rangefinder, picture-in-picture, picture, hotspot tracking. I mean, you got a lot of bells and whistles. You got the phone applications that can run everything, that iPhone, Android, whatever, you can run it on a tablet, the Wi-Fi output, so it has its own Wi-Fi router in there, right? To connect to multiple platforms at the same time. It's got a hundred and fifty yard range on that Wi-Fi router. There's there's so much, but I think a lot of companies got caught up in all the can I swear on this? All the cool shit you can put in here, right? And you just kept adding more buttons, more buttons, more buttons. And it 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 makes it very frustrating when you're in the field trying to hunt for something. You gotta click four buttons before you can pull a trigger. Right. So our goal is, you know, I, if I have any buttons at all, I need to click press or do I, it, only one, like I only get one. And 90% of the time, that's going to be your magnification, right? You know, your palettes, reticle styles, reticle colors, all that, all that end stuff is going to happen ahead of time when you're in the field, like, give me an easy way to access my magnification. And that's, that's all I want. Right. So this is nice where on these, the TS 200 that you have in the TS 300 um, you have that, that smooth zoom on that right turret, um, which is nice to be able to toggle through it that way, but you can also click on into the side of it. So there's, it's a little button on the side of that turret that you can click in and that'll toggle through your magnification as well. So you can do your smooth zoom or you can click to toggle quicker. Um, but other than that, right, your left turret is the plug and play battery, um,
0: rechargeable that, battery.
1: Yeah. Which that that's been a, I mean, that was nice going through that learning curve four or five years ago, where being able to have batteries that you can pop in and out in the field is huge. Um, Cause I went through, I went through a year with the earlier products. We didn't have plug and play batteries um, and they died after five, six hours of running around. And then you, you got to plug it in and wait, right. Or use an ancillary battery pack. Um, so these are great. They all come with two batteries. You know, you run through five, six, seven hours. The first one dies or gets close. Just pop it out, pop it in a new one, and you're good for another six, seven hours. Right. I went. I went a little down a rabbit hole. Oh no, no, no! A, you're one specific question. You are good. Uh, <laughs>
0: you're covering a lot of these topics that I was thinking about. Um, all right. So when it comes to sighting it in, um, you got your heat s- source up there that you're shooting at the. Now I'm this is where I'm my time screwing around with it has has stopped. But I, I've been working off the fifty meter setting. Yep. Right? And then because you don't have a left, right, up, down dial to screw to mess with, you guys ha- you go in and you mess with the axis, right? So yep. uh, XY. Yeah. You got your X axis, Y axis. If you need to go up or back or down or whatever, you just work with that. It's very easy. All that kind of stuff. Can you explain to me though? Because this is got i've only done the 50 meters but it goes what 100 150 200 does it go up to 300
1: i think it goes up to 500 500 okay so i think you got 50 100 200 300
0: 500 so does that essentially you can set the settings for each one of those and then it's like okay at 100 meters it's, it's this okay yep
1: yeah, yeah and it's it's I mean to be honest, right, it's a little overkill. Again, it's it's once we write the program, it's easy to put in there regardless. And why not add more options if you want them? Great, they're there. If you don't, don't use them. Um, but yeah, and like in my mind, I, I you know I'm not, especially most of my hunting, unless we go pig hunting down south, right? Most of my hunting is gonna be like max of a two twenty-five, two fifty yard shot. Um, which keeps me in that sweet spot. So you know, ex- especially with like the five-five-six or two-two-three is the best example where, if you get it sighted in at say twenty-five yards, right, you're gonna have your point of impact, you know, crossing your your line of bore or your your sorry your point line of sight crossing your line of bore at twenty-five yards, right, and you're gonna have some raise yet on that bullet. So you might raise, I would say, max of an inch. And then it'll come down, and you'll have a second um, sight in essentially naturally with your caliber at about 225. So, depending on you know like with the 200s and 300s, you know they're you're going to bump up your calibers, right? Compared to like the reflex um, where you're running one to four times magnification. You know on the TS 200, you have you're running 2.3 to 9.2. Um, so you might want a 308, a 6.5, a 243, right? And even in an AR-10 platform or just a bolt um, where you might want to stretch that out. But those are going to be, you know, you're going to be closer to that 50 meters where if I sight in my 308 at 50, or you're, I don't know what the 6.5 is though, so I won't go down that rope hole. but say I sight in the 308 at 50 yards or 50 meters, I'm going to have that second point of impact or zero, you know, at like 205 meters, right? So right. it's that's that's how I usually run it where I'm just running off my two points of impact and then if I'm going you know 400 yards out I'll have my selected BDC reticle or a reticle one of those reticle options that I know where my four or five hundred yard distance is going to be at the second crosshair right so I I'm a little more I don't want to say old school but a little more rudimentary on that front when I'm using our products in this sense um but absolutely, you could cite in. You could cite in different. So you can cite it in having different brains, right? You can cite it in using those different distances, or you can save cite-ins for multiple different platforms. Um, but those distances are just kind of an extra. Like, hey, if I do want to confirm my zero at fifty, confirm my zero at two fifty, and confirm my confirm my zero at five hundred, you could set those sight in saves to it. So if you were in the field, you could just switch to the five hundred yard spec and know that you can put your crosshair straight on center
0: gotcha makes sense so if i'm in the stand and i uh you know i'm I'm basically planning for 50 yard shop and i got one at 100 i just click over to the 100 assuming it's all
1: yeah you can again in my mind like you're going to be within an inch for sure regardless and my shooter ability or whatever you want to call that word is i'm I'm happy within regardless so um you could you know fine tune it more that's where I said it's a little overkill where if I sighted in at 50 I know I'm going to be on till probably 250 and then I might be an inch low at 300 which again I don't care about so I in my mind I am I am high or low an inch or on from zero to 300 yards and I'm I'm not pulling a trigger past 300 yards Gotcha. But those people that can and want to be more specific, they can, you know, sight in the 300 where, okay, I am driving attack at 300 yards. I'm not an inch low or two inches low, depending on your caliber and grains.
0: Yeah, I don't have that problem. I, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of more with you. I like it. Get me close. Um, cause it's never the gun's fault. I can guarantee that.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, or the sight. It's, it's been it's... the gun's fault a few times on my side. I just, that's what I tell people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, hang on notes I got here the coolest thing, and I've showed a lot of people this is the ability for it to go to your phone and I know a lot of things nowadays have uh, apps Everything's there's an app for that right and this thing you hit the Wi-Fi you log into it you know from the phone, the only thing you can't do is pull the trigger on the gun right. Uh, you start the recording, you can zoom in, you can change the settings, all this kind of stuff. And like you were saying, it does 150 yard, um, fi So literally somebody could be sitting in a truck and you're 150 yards out controlling it from your phone, which is just insane. Uh, But I think the other thing that's really cool is that it gives you the ability to record that to your phone. Um, and I guess one question, does it, it has a memory card built in. So is it recording those videos to the memory card as well?
1: Yeah. So you got 16 gigabytes built in memory in the scope. So you can either, I mean, you can manage it on your phone. I mean, what I do is just every time I come back from a hunt, I'll just clear the scope, save them on my, well, save them on my phone and clear the scope. But yeah, there is internal memory there as well.
0: You pull the memory card out then and clear it off of there?
1: No, nope, no. Nope. So you can either do it via your phone or tablet or whatever is connected from the Wi-Fi um, or you can connect it, you know, plug it in with the cords it comes with to your laptop gotcha. as well. So a couple options on cleaning there. But.
0: but yeah, so I'm not super tech savvy, but that part of it, you know, to get to your phone, do a quick editing. I sent you over the video, the groundhog that was causing the yeah. disruption in my backyard. Um I will touch on that real quick. It's posted on our Go Wild account. Um I think it's on Instagram unless they've censored it off. But um that was the middle of the day I had a groundhog at about fifty yards, and I was, you know, I'm comfortable with where that scope was hitting when I was practicing, so I was I want to give it a, a real shot. And um Yeah, he that thing exploded. Now the gun caliber, probably a little bit too big for a groundhog, but the the visual of it when you see the guts flying out the back and you can see pieces and parts of this thing flying all over and through the screen and through the video
1: yeah
0: it's not a blur like you can see legit chunks it's picking up the heat from that that was that was insane to me also funny was the cat that was hiding in the bushes behind me that i didn't really realize the cat was there uh and and i don't think the cat really realized what what was happening either it took, (laughs) took off running the other direction but um, that no,
1: it, it's, so. did you, did you have ballistic tips on? Yes. That helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did a, I had a, one of our pro staffers send me a video. God, it might've been a year ago now, but um, he had a 308 with ballistic tips and he shot a coyote with it. And it was very, very similar to your groundhog, just a little more bits and pieces flying through the air. So it's,
0: it's insane. yeah, that's a good
1: video. So,
0: um, man, I'm sure there's like a million and a half other questions I'll have for you, but uh, we well, just,
1: just oh, go ahead, just real quick, Andrew, to touch, I mean, with your you know, the Wi Fi comment and stuff like that, right? I mean, our the only when we launched thermals the first time, the only thing that had Wi Fi and then the picture record internal memory and stuff was that TM100 or thermal mono. Um, and it, I mean, you know, definitely user feedback in terms of like there are people that want the picture record right and they're gonna they're gonna pay whatever to just have the picture record but we had quite a bit of times i mean the nice part about my job is we get to go qualified test and i mean we usually have a year cycle between getting our first production or pre-production units and finalized and just getting to beat them up go on testing hunts we'll call them um and and get that you know real life field user experience um at least that's my excuse to ownership to keep going on hunts right but right. um but it it does it it a it not only ticks our boxes in terms of or checks our boxes in terms of knowing like okay like yeah i did i threw it in the water and i left it there for 45 minutes our ip67 dustproof waterproof rating is valid because it you know that's setting the bar at 30 minutes right Especially when you're going in Texas and stuff like that, you are putting these things through not good conditions. Um, but the the big part of that in terms of Wi-Fi, right, and going through a year or so without having Wi-Fi capabilities and being able to share it, there's there's a lot of moments. And then trying it out with some where if, yeah, I mean, you brought it up exactly. You're you're ro- running around in a side-by-side, a truck, right? You can send one guy out to scan a field. Everybody can see the same thing. We have a, <clears throat> we did the last time we went out is just set up a tablet um, with the Wi-Fi on the scope. It was actually the mono, but hooked up the Wi-Fi with the mono, set the tablet in there. One person just runs out and everybody in the truck can see the tablet on the front, you know, console and see everything that's happening. So, it, it does kind of help bring your group together, but we also noticed and me going out with friends and, and industry people, right, there's usually only one, maybe two people in the group that has the really nice thermal, right, the 640 by 480 or 400, I mean the better thermal end, and being able to have everybody connect their phones or their tablets or whatever and just having one guy that can cover 1,000, 2,000 yards out and getting onto the pigs and getting into that, you know, four, three, two hundred yard range where everybody else can use it then for their own products. So it was a, it was a nice learning curve, but yeah, definitely the Wi-Fi is it, it, it makes it a better hunt, makes it easier, makes, you know, the, the connection with other devices, but also the people that you're going hunting with is, is great. Yeah.
0: for sure, man. Um, well, we'll get you on again here to talk about the rest of the product line, right? We kind of focus on this yeah. TS-200 scope here. Uh, we're going to give it a whirl down there in Oklahoma and then uh, actually maybe and Missouri um, and then come back and maybe we can talk about what else is, uh, you guys have going on over there at X-Vision, if that sounds good to you.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Cool.
0: Well, Sawyer, I appreciate your time today. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty, ex- pretty excited to get out there and, and give, it a, give it a shot. Oh. So.
1: We'll touch base before you start pulling the trigger again, I'm sure. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, good luck and have fun for sure. It is it is so much fun to use the thermals, pig hunts, coyote hunts. Um, yeah, no, I'm sure you'll have plenty of fun. Thanks. Appreciate it. Perfect. We'll talk to you soon, Andrew.